0: Alright, so our main scripture that we're going to be reading from is where we last left off. I realized yesterday that I, I made a mistake on the flyer. I put verse Philippians 1, verse 17. It's actually verse 27. We're not going backwards. I know it took us a long time to get through Philippians. We're picking it back up. And the reason why I'm taking it so slowly is like I mentioned, there's so much doctrine in, in there and it's different than going through maybe a book in the Old Testament that storytelling. This is we know Paul's letters are are very powerful, short but powerful. Sometimes long, but um, there's just uh, so much in there. Um, as we read, believe in chapter one, and verse uh, six: uh, "He who has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ." And there's just so many good scriptures. We haven't gone into this one yet, but I love it. Uh, or actually, I think we have gone into that one. It's "He who works in you to will and to do for his his good pleasure." And then we read. To, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, we're going to read some awesome verses on Jesus. And then we also have the one we did in Thanksgiving. We kind of flashed forward there. We did chapter 4. The be anxious for nothing but, and everything through prayer. And this is all in Philippians. There's a lot of good scriptures and promises in here. Good scriptures throughout our walk that we always fall back on. And also in chapter 3, I can't wait to get there. The forgetting the, the things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Our citizenship is in heaven. There's just so much in there. <laughs> so, Oh, and we can't forget Philippians 4.13. Um, I can do all things through Christ who gives gives me strength. So Philippians is just a really good book. I was actually listening to um, a study. Gigi's not here. Um, I may mean need to send it to you, the one we're talking about. I sent it to my mom. She listened to it. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Peggy Brown. She's Her husband is the founder of U-Turn for Christ, and she also manages that, the women's campuses and the homes and she has an awesome testimony i was listening to the pastor's wife's and leaders uh conference last a few months ago it's on available on calvary chapel corona's youtube you can see all the studies on there the workshops, and she did a study a workshop on prayer and it's cool because uh, she had a background of drugs her and her husband and she said it was the book of philippians she first started reading when she came to the lord and she read a really simple version because she couldn't understand the new king james at the time and she was just coming out of that. And each chapter was just confirming to her. She's like, it's a sh- the shortest book. Well, one of the shortest books. She's like, I can get through it. I'm not a good reader. And each chapter she would read, she w- it was just getting her through that, that transition where she was trying to get off of drugs. And this is just a really good book. So um, I'm doing a two-part discipleship, discipleship series where we left off. Uh, we're going to start in verse 27, chapter 1. Into We're going to end at chapter 2, verse 4. So we'll read straight through it. Um, the three points that we're going to go over is unity, submission, and surrender. When next month we're finally back on schedule, we're going to be the last Friday of the month now, now that the holidays are over. So we'll be meeting the next last Friday of the month in February and March and so forth. So when we meet back in February, we're going to cover the second part, which is actually going to be humility, servanthood, and obedience. So this is all part of the two-part discipleship series. So we're just going to read straight through. Uh, right now, we're in verse 27 of chapter 1. So, striving and suffering for Christ. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified of by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Uh, Going into chapter 2, verse 4, where we're going to end today. Unity through humility. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And last verse, verse four, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And those verses are always convicting. <laughs> it's really good. So that's where we're going uh, to end. Just a backtrack, I know we haven't picked up in Philippians for a while. Remember it's a prison epistle of Paul he was in prison at the time but he was under house arrest so he had freedom he wasn't suffering like the other prison more imprisonments where he was tortured he was able to have visitors we know that the Philippians were one of the only churches that actually gave him a gift they um, took up an offering and blessed him with money and and we it was speculated that maybe he even was able to pay his rent with that money to be able to stay in his his own home but we don't know he just needed the money but so that's why it's a letter of thanks to the Philippians. The theme is joy, the main theme of rejoicing in the Lord always, since, remember, he's in prison, he's writing this, so he's setting the example that though he's suffering for the gospel, he, he still has joy. And it's also to encourage the church. It was a church he planted in Acts 16, where we backtracked in the intro. Um, a lot of things happened when he was there in Philippi with uh, Silas. And so he's just writing to that church to... Um, Now that time has passed, now that they've grown and exhorting them as we see, he's talking that he's gonna be talking to them about ministry, how they should be acting as Christians. And so we're gonna start at verse 27. So um, unity in the spirit. So actually, I'm gonna briefly, as I mentioned, those three points we're gonna go over. I'm gonna briefly gloss over them before we get into verse 27. So unity, we're gonna we saw it's it's gonna be talking about unity in the spirit, submission is to the leadership, to one another, and ultimately to the Holy Spirit. Surrender is going to be of our own carnal desires, even sometimes good desires, being one with God's Spirit, but also preferring others above us and our wants and desires, as we see in our reading tonight. Um, We're putting others before us. So verse 27, So, where Paul talks about only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, we're going to get into conduct, which is the first topic of unity. So he says, walk worthy. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, we see something similar. Remember, Paul also wrote Ephesians. So it is, I believe that was a prison epistle too. So actually, no, it's Colossians, Philippians. No, it wasn't a prison epistle. So Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So that's pretty cool. I was blown away when I read the, I was just going to look up that first verse because I remembered that verse, but when I read the rest of it, I was like, how perfect. It's talking about the same thing unity of the spirit. And what better point, right, that we have one God, one Father. We're not to be divided. We're to be um, in unity. I I heard recently, too, that it's like how we serve the one true God, right? We see so many cults and false religions, even people that worship multiple deities like in Hinduism. But how awesome that we're known to Jesus is the only way, right? That's like our religion, and, and it's one God, the Trinity. So how much better to... In a sense, advertise that or prove that than being one with each other. If we're all divided and it's one true God, one God, it's it's not going to look great. So, yeah, I love that that verse also talks about that about being united, one God, one Father, and that the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So, endeavoring endeavoring to keep the unity. Sometimes it's work. It's not going to happen very easily with the Spirit. It's possible, but sometimes we have to put in more work than others. Maybe others. Uh, aren't doing their part, but bearing with one another in love, right? So, I also want to quote Ephesians 4:22 through 24, speaking again about conduct, as we read that first verse in Philippians 1:27. Uh, uh, Ephesians 4:22 through 24 says that you put off concerning your former conduct. So, there's that word conduct, and again, this is in the same chapter that I read in Ephesians, so it's cool how it's all connected. So if you want to read that chapter on your own time, the whole chapter, it just all flows so good. But for the sake of time, I just took portions from that chapter, Ephesians 4. That you putting off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, it's that picture of putting off and putting on, right? Like clothing. So we're putting off our former conduct how we used to be. And it's funny, every time I see, I teach a study, and anybody that I ask to teach or is talking to me when they first start teaching, and I'm like, yep, you're going to see. It, it happens to me every time I teach a study or somebody gives me a certain topic, the Lord always makes me go through it right before. And it's like, of course, how are you going to teach something that you didn't go through? Or maybe you did a long time ago, but he kind of just refreshes it. He puts you to the test before you can teach it, so you can teach it with more <laughs> more meaning, and more passion, and truth, but yeah, even just today at, at work, uh, this lady was having a bad day, and, and she says she knows the Lord, but um, it's cool that I've been put there to be a witness, and uh, you know, we put, we give that conviction to people, not in a bad way, but just by our conduct, the holy life, and, re- and studying for this study actually convicted me, too, because there was a situation um, just yesterday, too, at work, that it's it's mostly women that work there, but there's just some things that were said, and I was kind of like there, and I'm like, you know, they know I'm a Christian, they know my husband's a pastor, and they're starting to know a little more about me, but um, this study really, studying for this, I was like, man, there was a story about a girl that, and I don't know if you've heard uh, other stories, of missionaries and just great people, giants of the faith, that even just their presence, being around people, they respect them so much because they know oh, that's a holy person, I better stop talking about, you know, these dirty jokes or whatever or the conviction of the Holy Spirit just comes upon them. So it was, it was awesome. It was awesome studying for this and being reminded that, yeah, even just our conduct, and, and we don't have to say, like, oh, you know, I'm holier than thou, and I don't want to come off like that, that I'm not approachable, that I'm, you know? But also setting, setting um, those boundaries, even if they're unspoken, but they just know, like, by the way, you're going to react, or, if you're going to join in, or whatever, or laugh at the joke. But, yeah, so our conduct, our conduct really... Um, says a lot, because like I said, there's people that I profess they are, but they're not really walking, and they're just in the flesh all the time, and I'm just like, whoa, watching it, praying <laughs> in the workplace, but um, yeah, but anyway, she came up to us this morning saying, uh, one of our coworkers, she's an older lady, that, you know, she just wasn't in a good mood today, and um, yeah, and then, and it was cool, because um, uh, my other coworker, she's like, I'm not perfect, but she's been to Golden Springs, and so she, she knows some enough, and she kind of gave her some advice, and and she's like, you need to read your Bible app. She's like, I know I'm not perfect. I don't do that. But yeah, and then I kind of pitched in. So it was really cool. It kind of has to do with all of the study. Um, I mentioned Galatians 5, walking in the spirit, not feeding the flesh, because the other lady was saying it was the devil. But I was like, yeah, there's truth in that. But a lot of the times, it's our flesh. It's our own corrupt nature, as we see right here, right? We're born in sin, naturally. So yes, the devil tempts us. He pokes at our weaknesses. But it's a lot of times, it's ourselves. It's our flesh. You know, We're grumpy. We're whatever. <laughs> So she said that, she's like, I'm grumpy, and I don't know. She's saying a lot of things, but... So yeah, so back to Ephesians 4.22. So it says that you put off concerning your former conduct. So we're... we're it's work. We have to put it aside and and put on, put on the new man and respond in, in a spiritual way. And so going... Still in the same verse, Philippians 1.27, but part B, there's like... It's a long verse, but when you go to the, towards the end of that verse, there's a separate thought, so... It says that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So stand fast. That's, we're still under the topic of unity, talking about conduct, but now we're moving on to standing fast and striving together. So when you think about that, the first thing is that Paul is saving to strive together for the faith. So oftentimes, I know we've all seen it, a lot of people are striving against one another in the church. So it's cool that Paul says, no, strive together. We're not to be striving against one another. And we're going to see a lot of scriptures of Paul writing in other books. He's writing, remember, these epistles are written to the church. So there's a lot of problems in the church he had to address. And we take it in because we could apply it to our, our church, wherever we serve at, even though it was specifically for that church. But there's a lot of um, good doctrine and just um, biblical wisdom we could take from it. So, so yeah, oftentimes we see so much striving and I just think of how much more we could get done if how Paul says, if we strive together for the gospel. There are times and, and, you know, people don't like each other in ministry, but I've heard it said, you know, we are to love one another, but it's sometimes it's difficult to like one another. But at the end of the day, I see it as when, when I first started coming to the Lord and started to serve, and I started seeing this for myself, you know, and I would pray for the difficult people that were making, you know, serving in ministry difficult. But um, I would see it, I was like, you know what, at the end of the day, you know, that's my brother, that's my sister, and it's like, if somebody, God loves even the non-believers as well, because he died for them, but it's like, when, at the end of the day, if we were to come down to, because we all get persecuted, especially at the beginning of our walks, I went through a lot of persecution, you know, with um, our old friends that are still can't believe it, or, or people that we knew, I got a lot of atheists, you know, they just start bombarding you on your Facebook or whatever, with things you post, and and I see it, I was like, at the end of the day, like, that's our enemy. We're to love our enemies, too, and pray for them. But at the end of the day, like, that's my sister. You don't pick on her, even though I don't like her, but she's my sister, you know? And I saw it like that. I was like, no, we should be in this together, you know? At the end of the day, we're against the enemy and just all the attacks of the enemy. We, we serve the same God. And, and yeah, even if they might not act like it, but you pray for them, pray for them. <laughs> so if we are to strive together, we could get so much more done for the gospel, and if everybody was doing their part in what the Bible says, I was thinking, man, how the world would be a much better place, you know, it might not be perfect, and not the utopia, because until God comes back, but if everybody was doing what the word says, imagine it would be such a peaceful place, so standing fast, uh, the word used is given like a soldier in the military, so we remember in Ephesians, which Paul also wrote, when he talks about the spiritual warfare, and I believe it's in chapter six, you know, he gives that picture of the soldier and the because he was arrested so many times and had guards. He saw the Roman um, the uniform that they use, the shield and the sword and everything. And so he always talks about that when it comes to spiritual warfare, forfare, standing fast. So this term here is like a soldier. We get we get again we get more done as as a unit, like in the military. But in a way, it's not as a strict. Dullness. We actually get to partake and receive the blessings that come with the godly life. It's not just okay, obey. You're in the military. Yes, we we serve God, but you know, in the military, sometimes maybe they might not get anything out of it. But us, it's not just it's not strict like that. Yes, we we serve God with that zealousness, and we want to obey all His commandments. But we actually get to see the blessings that come with obedience of that godly life. So again, picture uh, standing fast, soldiers. There's actually, that word again, Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it in movies. It's been in multiple movies and shows, especially in like historic times, like uh, especially in the Greek times, uh, Roman times. So during the empires. So they, it's an army, they lock shields. They lock shields with one another. So they form like this huge shield. So when they're shooting arrows at them, they can't penetrate. So they walk together as a unit, but everybody has to do their part and hold their shields up. And only one person is like drawing the, or I think they all draw the spears out. So they have to all work together because if not, the arrow's going to come through, right? So they were impenetrable like that. So that's that word that was used that was very familiar to the Philippians because I learned this through the study. I thought it was very interesting. Um, if you guys are familiar with Alexander the Great, we study Bible prophecy, especially Daniel. Um, and you'll hear a lot about Alexander the Great that the Bible prophesies of that empire to come and the history but this was Alexander the Great's dad his name was Philip of Macedon and that's actually where the city of Philippi got their name after is Alexander the Great's dad so he was also king of Macedonia if you guys are familiar with that little area um, in Europe where Paul had his missionary journeys that's also connected uh, it's in the same around the same area so Alexander the Great's father used that technique, and Alexander the Great did too. And the Romans used it as well. So um, I also researched, I saw that a lot of Alexander the Great's success was actually because of his dad. The army he had already built up for him and different places he had already conquered. So Paul uses these terms because he knows the Philippians are, are going to be familiar with that, or that's their history. And if you guys remember also, uh, the city of Philippi had citizenship, Roman citizenship. They were a Roman colony. So they had more rights than others did. Um, Remember, Paul was a Roman citizen, and so there's just that picture there. So going down to verse 29. um, Oh, let me go back to 28. It's connected. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Verse 29. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. So verse 28, if you're wondering, you're like, what does that mean? Um, it's just saying that it's like proof, um, you know, for suffering for Christ. It's proof that of our salvation, that we're saved, you know? How they say the enemy doesn't attack, you know, people that aren't saved, you know? If they're already his, he doesn't care, you know? They're just in their own sin and dealing with their own consequences of sin. But, you know, we start going to the spiritual warfare, the persecution because of our faith, as we saw, um, Peter and John and Acts, they were one of the first ones, remember, to get beaten when they said, do not speak of the name of Jesus anymore. And they were happy and they were celebrating like, yes, we're worthy to suffer for Christ, but because they failed, remember? Well, Peter failed when Christ was here. Remember when the rooster crowed? So he felt privileged that now he got to suffer for him. He got that chance again. And and yeah, that it's, it's a good thing, you know, we're not. And he actually writes in his epistle and Peter to suffer for doing good, not for bad, because what reward is in if um, you're beaten for your own faults, you know, like you're just a hard-headed person, but if you're, if you're um, getting persecuted for good, then that's awesome, you know, you're, you're blameless, you're like Jesus. So, so it's just saying that that's just confirmation, and to them, it's a proof of perdition, that they're seeing, um, they're also seeing your conduct, they're like, wow, you know, this martyr, these people, nothing fazes them, they have such peace and joy before they die, you know, and it's also a witness witness to, to them who aren't saved. So, Suffering. So it's, it talks about, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. We know in 2 Timothy 2 verses 3 through 4, there's a promise that a lot of us don't like. There's good promises in the Bible, but this is another a promise that we don't expect. So you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So we know that we're called to suffer in this life. If we're, if we're going to follow Jesus, yes, there's blessings. It's, the reward is greater in heaven than if we didn't follow him. And if we didn't follow him, we're still going to suffer in this world. But our suffering is going to be meaningless. And it's just going to have no purpose. And it's just going to be awful. But for the Lord, like we said, it's it's an awesome reward. And so, we see again that picture that we're Jesus' soldiers, and I love that part that says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. We know it's true, when people get into the military, you know, they, don't, they can't see their families or different things, but here it's also painting that picture that we are not to get distracted with the cares of this life, you know, if we're following Jesus, and we're on fire, and then, you know, distractions come, and, you know, and we're going to fall away, so I also saw it, and I connected it with our study. It says, "The affairs of this life is our flesh, our carnal desires, our temptations." So may we be good soldiers in unity as we are learning how we ought to strive with, um, strive with one another, not against each other, <laughs> strive together with each other. My bad. Mention and um, so as I said, we're striving together for the gospel. So if we are to. Put away the affairs of this life. Like I said, it's our flesh, our carnal desires. And as we're later going to see, well, we're actually we read in chapter two, our selfish ambitions. We're better soldiers, right? Because we could work together better. And if not, a soldier that does its own thing, you know, they're going to get let go or they're going to cause, they're going to cause the unit to be killed. So may we put away those affairs of this life, as we're going to see, it's good to work in unity, work together for the goal of the gospel. So on to our next section, uh, the second main point, submission. So chapter 2, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 2. And before we read that, um, 27 is actually going to go with what I'm going to read right now, speaking of submission. But let's go ahead and read 1 through 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So we know Paul is saying this. Again, he's writing to them. He hasn't seen them. He's in jail, or he's in his house arrest. And so as I was going to backtrack to verse 27, remember he says, So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind. And he's saying the same thought. So that's where I get to the first point of submitting first to leadership. And I said to one another, and then the third point was, oh, to the Holy Spirit. So Paul, we know that he's the church planner. He's their pastor. He's their church father. He's the apostle. There was only 12 apostles. This was the early church. You know, they did everything. The apostles were anointed whatever, um everything they taught, their doctrine. So I like how he said in that verse 27, he says, whether I come and see you or I'm absent. So pretty much, it's kind of how they say our, our character. Um, They say, are you the same person, I don't know, integrity, integrity, are you the same person, um, you know, when you're being seen or when you're not being seen, or how do you treat other people when you're not being seen, so that's our true character, our true integrity, so, so kind of how they say, like, and especially as Christians, we shouldn't be that way. You know how they said there's always the person that's trying to, to impress their boss. You know, the boss comes around in the workplace, and everyone starts working harder, and then the boss leaves, and then I'm like, that person's always on their computer playing games, or doing this, you know, and, but as Christians, we're always working hard, we're always working hard, and we're not to be one person and a different person. We know that's hypocrite, remember? That means, uh, in the Greek, wearing a mask, two faces, and so, yeah, we're just always supposed to be the most hardworking, obedient So that's what Paul's saying, It's like, whether I'm there visiting them, they're not going to be all like, oh, you know, we're perfect Christians here, being in unity with one another, he's like, and all that, you know, he's like, no, even when I'm not, when I'm away, so, you know, he would get news through the letters, like, oh, you know, we're doing good, or this is what's going on, like, we know in Corinthians, remember, he he had to address a big sin in the church, and most, the first letter to the Corinthians was mostly rebuke, and the second one was better, but yeah, so Paul was getting news. He had all his people, like we're going to see later in Philippians, he's going to send Timothy because he's like-minded to him. So he has his different leaders um, checking on the churches and, you know, tending to their needs, whatever they need, or if there's any divisions, but, and to encourage them. So, so yeah, so I love that he said that, whether he's there or he's absent, they should already be doing that, you know, be, being genuine. And so not trying to impress him when he's there. So, and again, he hits on being like-minded, being of the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And how are we going to be of one mind? Um, having the knowledge of the scriptures, you know. I think it's in Colossians, it says, let it dwell richly in your hearts." Um, we know for sure that's the main unity, right? It's the spirit and the word, and not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So if we're all doing that, imagine the perfect unity, and being, we're going to be of the same mind, and we could get more done for the Lord. And so... So there's that. So the importance of submitting to leadership. um, That's often a lot of issues. um, And we're going in numbers um, Wednesday nights. Um, My husband and here in this church, we're going through numbers. I think it's awesome because we started the philosophy of ministry classes on Thursday. If you guys haven't gone or um, you can watch it online or hear it in the audios. They're really good. We've barely done our second one. It's every other Thursday. It's, a, it's like a course you'll see in the Bible college. We go over the Calvary Chapel Distinctives and the Cowrie Chapel Philosophy and Ministry book. It's all by Chuck Smith. So it's just showing us why we do things the way we do at Calvary Chapel. And it's a system that works. You know, it's been proven over time. It's not just Chuck's thoughts, it's all about the word and, and why, and also his experiences in different denominations and, and why non-denomination is, is better. You know, we're not leaning towards traditions of men, but We're just following the word. And yeah, it's a lot in there about leadership. And it's cool that we're going through numbers because there's a lot of rebellions against uh, Moses, Aaron. Uh, First, Aaron rebelled against Moses with his sister, Miriam. And then later, now they rebel against um, Aaron, too, and Moses. So we know throughout that whole 40 years in the wilderness. But I think it's just awesome. So there's an importance about, um, yeah, submitting to your leaders. And I'm going to share a little something, too. It's not. Always easy. Um, most of the times I've always been blessed with awesome leaders in, in my previous churches, but there are times where you may not agree with the way things are being done. I mean, obviously, if it's sinful, then it's time to find another church or if nothing's being done about it and they're being confronted. But if it's just like minor things, the way they're doing ministry you're not used to or just maybe things are neglecting it's just uh, you to pray for them, and I would see that, and just by being silent, you know, people easily in the flesh, you know, they cause divisions, I don't know if you guys have seen that, and just hearing about one recently in in a a big church, a Calvary Chapel, recently, and it's it's just heartbreaking, once you hear the stories of how divisions happen, and a lot of church doesn't exist, and how it starts, and so that's why I love about Golden Springs. That's where I came from. That Rawl's very quick on cutting, or you guys go to Golden Springs too. He's very quick on cutting divisions. And that's why, that's why he does things the way he does and he's strict because they've seen they've seen it happen and it's biblical. So yeah, so word of advice, I would say, yeah, obey your leaders, pray for them. Um, if you need to communicate with them, communicate with them. And there's blessings. So by me waiting, uh, another church I was at, how I said I I didn't agree, I was hurt in a lot of ways, but I waited. I waited and I prayed for a while, for months, and the Lord actually did exceedingly, abundantly beyond I could ever ask or think through that time of waiting and suffering in silence in a way, but there's just something honorable about seminary to your leadership, and, and God knows why he's placed them up there, and it, it doesn't have to be church also. It could be our parents. I learned that the hard way with my mom being a bad child growing up. I didn't know the Lord, but once you grow older, you see that it's, it's set there for a reason, and also our husbands as women, if we're married, you know, submitting to our husbands, even if we don't agree all the time, but there's blessing in it, and, um, you know, children to parents, our workplace, our bosses, I think I taught this in another study, too, even if we don't agree, they might not be saved, but if it's sinful, again, you know, we don't go through it, we don't go along with it, but a lot of times, the Lord has placed them there for a reason, and I've seen that, too, even in my workplaces, and, and it's to teach us something, and it's refining us, and and, but yeah, yeah, pray for your leaders and be obedient. If not, it costs driving and division in churches and it's not good. So second part, submitting to one another. So there's an awesome verse in Galatians 5, 13 through 15. And this goes with the whole unity thing and about, we're going to see the preferring one another before us, which is hard to do, right? Because we're selfish or if I'll, I'll share a few stories after this, but uh, let's get into Galatians five thirteen through 15. So submitting to one another. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you consume, be consumed by one another. I think, man, that's harsh. And he's speaking to the church. And sometimes the church could be like that, right? <laughs> We just fight amongst each other and sometimes worse than the world. And it's just, it's ugly like that. So I I just love that verse. And he's saying to serve one another um, through love, serve one another. So even though we're free, you know, in in Christ and we have our freedoms, but he's saying, no, use that to serve one another in love. And then um, before I move on to the Holy Spirit. Let's move on quickly to the Holy Spirit, the third point, submitting to the Holy Spirit. So ultimately, this is what ties it all together, right? If we don't submit to the Holy Spirit, then we can't submit to anyone else or anything if we're not submitting to God. So James 3, 13 through 18 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct, again, there's that word conduct, that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And that's another convicting verse. So I um, encourage you guys to read the book of James. It's short. I believe it's only four chapters, probably. Um, it's one of my favorite books. I forget in the Bible whenever they ask me. I always I forgot to mention James last time. <laughs> but it's short, and it's very powerful and to the point. It's It gets you, but it's really, really good. And um, that chapter, yeah, it's saying the difference between... And it even says it's demonic. That's crazy, huh? We think, oh, it's just something in my heart, and that's demonic, essential. sensual. And, um, but then it shows what the wisdom from, what the wisdom from above is, is going to be peaceable, gentle, willing to yield without partiality. And how I was saying about the story. So about the, how it says to look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others and to esteem each other better than himself in Philippines too. A quick story, just what I've seen, um, since we're all women here, (laughs) um, it could be in different different ways. But what I've seen oftentimes, and it's sad, especially when it divides friends, is when um, all the same girls like the same guy. Let's say that, like the, a group of friends or vice versa, maybe people that don't like each other. But oftentimes it's hard and then one person, you know, might like the other like the same guy and then their friends or even best friends. Sometimes it breaks up the friendship. Sometimes it doesn't. And that's where this comes in. That's hard. You know, put yourself in, in, in those shoes. I've seen it happen a lot. And it's like, would you be willing to yield and be like, okay, you could have them. But but you really like this guy. So that's very, very the fruit of the spirit right there. If you're willing to yield and putting others before you. And that's when you, when trusting God comes in. And what we're going to get into that third point of surrender. Just trusting God, what he has what he has for you is for you. And again, there's that striving. The, um, the study we're doing Thursday, the philosophy of ministry, right now we're talking about uh, striving for positions as well, as you see in ministry. There's uh, envy in that too. I've, it's happened to me. I've, I've seen it. And um, yeah, so there's the preferring others. You know, we got to be, next month when we get into humility of Jesus, it's, it's going to go hand in hand with what we're learning today. That's why it's the two part. But yeah, there's just so much, and it's we gotta, you know, put our own that's where we're putting our own desires aside. But it's trusting the Lord, and He's gonna bless you. I've seen it time and time again, and He does what He has is for, for you is for you. And I love this verse, I believe it in the Second Samuel. And even when it came to this church, City Terrace, um, it was a promise God fulfilled to me um, before I think I even met my husband. And then it came more together once we were ready married. And then I knew he had something for us, but I didn't know what, because we were missionaries and we were just, we love a lot of things. And we didn't know what, what was going to be in our next season. But it's a verse where Saul is anointed king. This is before he became bad Saul, <laughs> he started out well. And Samuel um, reserved a piece of meat for him when he was going to go up to meet him with the prophets and they were going to anoint him. And he got there a little later, but he had that meat saved, that portion saved for him. And he said, um, I can't remember what it says at the moment, but pretty much he's saying that he has that portion set aside for him. And that always speaks to me because God has our portion set aside for us. So we should never strive We trust God. He has, even with jobs, and that's worldly, you know. People do that in the workplace. And I've seen that before too, and I'm like, man, it just gives me so much peace that you see all these other coworkers fighting for the manager position, and I'm like, I don't want that. You know, they could have that. I don't want to fight. And then I still became a manager, so wow, the Lord just— and, um, but I didn't want to go higher. And, and you see that, and it's kind of sad because that's the, the work, that's the world, right? They don't know Jesus, and they're striving for these things. And it's like, we know we have Jesus. We're good, you know? So that's how it should be in every area of our lives, that we shouldn't want to strive for anything or somebody else's calling, somebody else's gifts and talents, which we're going to get there next. But um, as um, I was mentioning about, oh, we read James. So that was summoning to the Holy Spirit. So it's we need to yield to the Spirit. And we also know there's the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, love, all of that, and walking in the Spirit. That's all in Galatians 5. So the key is yielding to the Spirit. If we can't yield to the Spirit, then we saw in James, right? Everything, bad, everything that's bad is going to happen. So we have to be willing to yield. And that's sometimes hard, right, putting ourselves aside. But trust the Lord, and he has great things for you. So Galatians 5, 19 through 26. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, and that's uh, sex before marriage, um, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, everything we're reading about, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, which Philippians 2 says, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, And the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And remember, this is Paul writing to the Galatians, which was a church, and that's like one of the biggest arguments uh, that people of Calvinists, right, that they believe once saved, always saved. But all these letters, Paul's writing to the churches, it's the churches he's writing to, not non-believers. So, but this also applies to non-believers too. But he was telling this to the churches that were walking in such ways. So. And then the key word is practice. You know, if you fall into sin, God forgives you. But if they're constantly practicing and that's just their life, no conviction, then there's something wrong there. But going down to verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, which is the yielding. <laughs> Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, which was the putting off. Remember, we read that verse earlier, putting off the old conduct. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The key is walking in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and being one another. So that's everything we've been talking about. So isn't it awesome how the Bible complements each other, right? And it's like, so we can't run away from maybe that one hard scripture because you're going to get it throughout the Bible when it's that theme. A lot of people maybe try to disprove the Bible when they say, oh, the Bible contradicts itself. It's like, no, you see, it's just woven throughout the Bible, the same message. So it's it's true. The Holy Spirit wrote it, you know, through the different writers. There's no way it could have all been in such unity. And so that was... So we're going to go to the third part, third part, our last part, which is surrender. So again, as we saw, we'll surrender to our desires, our carnal ambitions. So a good example is... Think of a soccer team or a football team, any kind of sports. We all work together, right? So I actually played soccer with my mom at church. <laughs> so and it reminds me of something Evelyn told me too, her daughter, because uh, her two kids, they're small. They they were in soccer this previous season for the first time, and she shared stories with me. So we all work together, right, in the soccer team. But not everyone can score the goal, right? There's an order. So there's the defense, the mids, the forwards, the goalie you know, not everybody could be the goalie, there's only one goalie, that was her too, I remember she wanted to be the goalie at one point, so it's like, no, there's only one, right, and um, there's, different people could score goals, but most of the time it's the forwards, or maybe there's just one person who's always really good at scoring goals, and you guys have to set it up for them, Um, but it doesn't always have to be them, but again, there are some people who do ticket manage, I believe Chuck Smith said they're the glory, horses, he said they're something, but people that always, Take the glory, pretty much. So again, there is an order. It just not everybody can score the goal, so we just have to work together. But then there are those people who take advantage, or the coach gives them more special attention, like, oh, they're the star of the team. Or even in soccer, you know, there's like the, in Barcelona, there's like the key stars, right? It's like they're already famous, so maybe they give them more attention, they give them more opportunity to score goals. So, So that's what we don't want to do in the Christian world, right? We want to work together and share. But again, we can't envy the ones that, that's just what they do. They're the goalie, and we just work together so there has to be that balance, so um, I think, oh, what she was saying is that her daughter is that at the beginning, at the beginning, because she was new to it, and they're still learning, you know, they're small kids, and I guess they weren't working together, the girls, because I know when me and my mom were playing, and I was trying to explain that to her, we had our plays or our triangles, we have to always one more triangle around, so they have options of who to kick the ball, but I guess they would never kick the ball to her, or they, just the same girls were like, working together but the whole team they weren't working with the whole team and I was like no they have to learn how to work together I was like trust me they're gonna learn I was like don't worry about it <laughs> it was like they have to learn how to play together you guys aren't gonna win <laughs> so let's see that could happen too right people get selfish and they just want to so that's think of that as a church so but another the last time we taught on Philippians 1 not today but another part remember Paul mentioned that some preach Christ out of envy and strife that's what he says earlier in chapter 1 I remember we, we, um, we studied, we talked about Joel Osteen and, you know, the different, different pastors or false uh, prophets, but Paul says, regardless, Christ is preached, you know, even if they get judged, they maybe got, who knows, what if they do go to hell for, you know, disabling people, we don't know, God's going to judge them, but regardless, Christ is preached, and it's like, I, I was listening to that in my early walk, and, you know, it, it helps lead people, it's not the vessel, but the message, God's Word doesn't return void, and sadly that happens with a lot of cults too. Um, sometimes we see good comes out of it because people are seeking God, and they're still getting the word, even if they're deceived and there's damage done. But, but again, that leads to that same point. Remember, some preach out of envy and strife. So there's that whole soccer team picture. Some um, have their own motives. Maybe they're they're not really teaching. Um, they're not really teaching for the right motives. You know, they want to be famous. They want to be famous pastors or just get the attention that they're teaching. You know, but. So there's that picture. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says, again, that's Ephesians, that chapter we read. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So Again, we see that um, there's more gifts than that. We know there's 21 gifts of the Spirit, but there's that picture that Jesus gave. Some right? Not everybody has the same gifts. We have a cluster of gifts. We might have multiple, but you know everybody's calling. We can't be. We can't be like other people. I've heard it said, and I think it's awesome. Where it says you can't wear um, Saul's armor. I remember David put on Saul's, Saul's armor when he was going to fight Goliath, and Saul was like, "Okay, he was this kid, right?" and his armor was all big, and he's like, I can't even fight in this, so he's like, he's gonna die with the armor, so he took it off, so it's like, sometimes, you know, we try to be other people, because maybe we're jealous of what they have, but it's like, no, you know, we can't replicate that, it's like, God has something special for you, so it's, again, um, being content with the gifts God gave us, and pray if you want other ones, you know, it's up to him, and what he wills to give us, and, that was, and we see in that scripture I just read, it's for the equipping of the saints, not for us to parade um, ourselves around like that chapter of love, right? First Corinthians 13 says, what love isn't. It says it doesn't parade itself. Doesn't, it's not puffed up. It's not envy. So, yeah, so we see it's for the equipping of the saints. That's the whole purpose of our gifts and our talents. It's to encourage one another, the, our brothers, not to parade ourselves around. And ultimately, it's all about Jesus, not us. Because we see in that same scripture, it's for to come to the full knowledge of the Son of God and the unity of the faith. So ultimately, it's just to learn more about Jesus and get built up. So it's good to remember that. So again, it's important we stay in our lane. Um, as we remember that story uh, with Jesus, uh, John, he's telling them how they're actually going to die. We know that the disciples died horrible deaths, but we know John didn't die. He was the one that wrote the book of Revelation, and was he was actually boiled. They attempted to boil him to death. But he survived. Imagine, they boiled him in a big pot of oil, but he lived. So um, Jesus was telling Peter, you know, what was going to happen to him. And then he was like, hey, what about this guy? He didn't say anything about John. And Jesus tells him, what is that to you? You follow me. So, you know, don't keep your eyes on what God's doing with somebody else. And, we know, that's the big issue with social media now. There's comparison. And people lie, always say, that's just, that's not true. You know, that's why I love to be transparent you know, because then it does make people depressed, they think, oh, they have such a perfect relationship, a perfect life, and it's not true, they don't put the, of course, they're not going to put the bad things, right, and so, <laughs> so, um, so I love that Jesus told them, you know, you just follow me, like, don't worry about what this guy's doing, or what's happening in his life, so, so again, stay in our lane, walking in our calling, and as we read Ephesians 4, in verse 16, it also talks about, it's not going to be up there, but it also talks about every part of the body does its share. When he's, uh, Paul's talking about the body of Christ, right? Not everybody could be the eye, the feet, the mouth. There's only one mouth in the body. If we were all mouths, we wouldn't be able to walk, right? <laughs> so who's, who who's going to walk to the other country to preach the gospel if they're all mouths? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I love that it, Paul says every part of the body does its share. So we all play our part. If we all taught, if we all were up here teaching, nothing would get done. What Amanda does is like super; it helps me out so much, and it's important for you guys to see Sarah doing worship and just the people helping set up the coffee and the food, the kids. It's just it all works together. If we all did the same thing, it wouldn't flow right. So, so yeah, so we just have to be content with um, what God has for us and just own it. You know, be the best at it. And that's where you're going to find the most joy, because then you're going to strive and, and be, you're going to get frustrated trying to do something um, that you weren't called to do. And that's when they say, like, when you, you're discovering your gifts, I tell people, just try it. You never know. Our pastor, Pastor Jesse, the passed away, he would always say too like, um, get your feet wet, like, just try it. You know, we would go evangelize in the evangelistic ministry. And some people, that's not for them, but they found out it's oh, not for me, you know, and you won't know until you try it. So, and that's when you get the most joy. You're going to know that that's your calling and that's the greater picture. It's like a puzzle. If we all do our part, then it's beautiful. And then we get more done for the Lord and for his kingdom. So God exalts in due time to the humble, as the psalm says. Um, I'm sorry, the psalm says this other thing. He puts down one and raises another up. But it's in Peter, I believe, he says that, which he's actually quoting the Old Testament, he says that to humble yourself under the sight of God, and he will lift you up. So we know being humble, that's when God exalts. Like I said, remember I was praying silently, even though I was suffering, and it's like, yeah, just be humble and pray, and God's going to raise you up in his timing, and just be faithful, be obedient, be respectful to your leaders, and whatever he's doing in your life, even if we don't agree, we don't understand, even in our suffering, maybe we're going through a heavy trial. Remember, Jeremiah says the potter and the clay, right? The... The clay doesn't tell the potter, what are you making? Why are you making me like that? It's like, it can't talk. The potter's making whatever he wants, right? The the sculpture. But it's like, we just, ha- we just have to, we're the work of his hands. Whatever God desires to do, we just submit to that. And in the end, it's the best for us. We might not see it now, but he does the, what's best for us. Because he knows us. He's the only one who knows us most intimately, what we like, who we don't like. Even things we didn't know about ourselves. I later discovered, like, man, God knew that all along. He's bringing it out. I didn't know this. <laughs> Or bad and are good, right? So we just have to trust him. So again, not seeking or fighting over positions. Again, as I mentioned, the philosophy of ministry, it's cool because um, we're actually, how I said, we're going through numbers. We've been studying about Moses in the wilderness. Remember his father-in-law, Jethro, when Moses was tiring himself out, right? There's millions and millions of people. They were coming to him. Imagine him being the only, imagine there being a church and there's only one pastor, one servant, not a group, and there's millions of people, they're all coming to him, he was just like worn out, there was priests, but they were all coming specifically to Moses for all the hard issues to be judged, and they didn't know what to do, and so he was just tiring himself out, and people were lining up all day, and they would end up having to go home without even getting to see Moses that day, so his father gave him really good advice, remember, when appointing leaders, and that's in Exodus 18:21. so he told him, Moreover, you shall select from all the people, able men, such as fear God, Men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So I love that that stands out, uh, hating covetousness. That's one of the qualities of of when choosing a leader. Um, We also see in Acts 6, right? Remember, able men, faithful men. Faithfulness is a a big one. We're probably going to get into that one the next study. But I love what Jethro said about that, hating covetousness. So we know covetousness is desiring envying and wanting what somebody else has which is what we've been talking about and again and it's not envying other positions because if these men were just about the position would they be there for the people no right they would just be like maybe trying to impress Moses right or be like I want to be the next Aaron or the next Moses and and we know Joshua was I, I forgot to put the scripture in there but one of my favorites one of my favorite scriptures in the season I was in and, and talking about all this we're recovering um it says that Moses I'm sorry Joshua, we know that was his assistant, that like he took Moses' place, right? Um, God chose him because he was faithful and he just had all the good qualities, right, of, a, of a, a godly man. And we know it was Joshua and Caleb, remember? They brought the good report. And so he was just always following Moses, right? Everywhere Moses went, he was always praying, and, and Joshua was just there and very zealous for the Lord, sometimes a little too zealous that Moses had to tell him, like, no, way, come down. But he was, just, he was just a godly man. But there's a scripture that says that uh, Joshua did everything that Moses commanded so there we see that right he was being obedient to his leader to his Moses was above him and God exalted him after that so i just everything that God told Moses and then Moses told Joshua and he obeyed so as the leaders the heads they hear from the Lord and you know we're to follow so i love that Jethro gave Moses that advice when choosing leaders and again so it's not wanting the positions or just in general um, as us ladies, it might be even coveting another woman's husband. It could be, or somebody's likability, maybe they have charisma. It's like, no, we are not to be covetous in whatsoever reason. And, and you're going to see God's going to uh, lift you up. So I'm going to end with a quote and then a last verse. So Elizabeth Elliott said, A spirit of calm contentment always accompanies true godliness. Um, Paul says in one of the Timothy letters to Timothy, he also says, godliness with contentment is great gain. So I love that Elizabeth Elliot said, a spirit of calm contentment always accompanies true godliness. So until we're really calm and not worrying about anything like that, that displays true godliness. And ending with preserving unity is not an option in the Bible. It's given as a command, as we saw. And there's way more scriptures that I didn't even get to include in here uh, for the sake of time. Okay, good thing I died. I went longer, but yeah, you could even, uh, if you guys are familiar with Blue Letter Bible and you do your Bible studies, you could enter in um, either that number, that specific number you have in the Greek, or simpler, just unity, and it'll pop up all the scriptures that talk about unity. I think even in some Bibles, if you go to the back of your Bible, I notice sometimes there's keywords. Um, This one doesn't have too many, but you'll see, if you have a good study book or Blue Letter Bible, you'll see a bunch of other verses. If you ever want to do a Bible study And just want to know more verses about that for yourself to help you or any other keyword or even a person, a study on a person in the Bible. But yeah, so we're going to end with Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also you also must do. And remember the last study I taught well, it was the Thanksgiving, the sacrifice of praise, which wasn't in my notes. Remember about the unforgiving servant, the parable. And then also Jesus says, if you have something against your brother before you bring your sacrifice, you know, go make it right first. And Jesus says, he just said himself, if we can't forgive others then God can't forgive us, because when you compare to, That's what that parable is of the unforgiving servant. Remember, he was forgiven a great debt, but he couldn't forgive the other servant for like the tiny debt and he threw him in the prison. So it's like, yeah, God forgave us way more than what we're holding on to, forgiving somebody else. So God's looking down and us like, really? You have no idea how much, you know, he actually forgave us because we actually don't realize it. Like I said, the closer we get to the Lord, the more years we serve him, the more holiness comes and we start to realize we sin less but our sin is much more, it bothers us more than before. Maybe there's things we didn't even um, confess before the Lord before that we didn't know we're and now the more we grow, we're just like, man, you know, we realize more of our sin, so even though we're not sinning as much as before, but we're just getting holier and holier and closer to him. We just love him and don't want to um, hurt him and want to do his will, and so, so likewise, um, we start to realize those things, but um, so my last words I put in big letters: We must die to self. The cross, <laughs> remember, is dying to ourselves, right? Going to the cross. Um, it's often overlooked, and I've been hanging on that lately because God's been reminding me of that. Remember, Jesus said, "If anybody desires to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me." So, if you want to learn how to be a disciple of Jesus, how to guarantee you're going to be in heaven is that we're going to deny ourselves and just follow Jesus wherever he leads. But whether it's suffering or it's good, you know, we could trust him. It's going to be the best life. So we'll end in that. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord God, and just everything you have for us today in your word, Lord God. May we just um, strive together, Lord, not against one another in unity, Lord God. We know that these are the last days and just times are getting so crazy, Lord. And they've always been, Lord, is Noah and the flood, Lord Your word tells us that it's gonna be the same in the last days, Lord. And I just pray we know according to prophecy, Lord, that you're coming soon. There's hardly anything left for it to happen, Lord, for you to come back, Lord. I pray that we will truly just work together in unity, Lord God, and love and leave ourselves aside, Lord God, as our flesh gets in the way, Lord, and it's difficult. But I pray, Lord, when it's hard for us to forgive or hard for us to love, Lord. May you just give us the strength, Lord God. We know if we abide in you, you abide in us. And you give us that power of your Holy Spirit that's not of us, Lord. And we could look back and other people could even look at our lives and know that this isn't us, Lord, that it's you, it's your power. And may we just be good witnesses with our conduct, Lord. May we just have boldness to share you, Lord God, as we're learning about Paul, Lord, and he was suffering for you, but he didn't care. He was happy, Lord, to be in jail. May you just fill us with that boldness to be able to, have that joy to suffer for you, Lord, and, and just not be afraid, Lord. This world is getting darker, Lord God, and this, the enemy's trying to pressure us on all sides, Lord, but may we just not be moved, Lord, and just fall on you, Lord, as you're our defender, Lord. May you just keep us safe, Lord, as we get home, Lord, and, and just work in our lives, Lord. pray, Jesus. Amen.